We'll offer up a special prayer for our men and women who serve us in the armed forces. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would bless the members of our armed forces and civilians as they perform the tasks of their calling for love of their country. Protect them, we pray, from all harm and danger of body and soul. Sustain and comfort those in areas of conflict as well as those at home, especially in their hours of loneliness, anxiety, and worry. Grant special grace to those who suffer and even die in the service of their country. We give thanks for those who have died in this service and remember their loved ones in their time of loss and grief. May they sense the appreciation of a grateful nation. Give to all an understanding of your love for all humankind so that relying on your aid, they may promote righteousness, honor, and unity. We pray for peace in the Middle East. In the Middle East, and we ask that freedom will come to those in that barren land. Freedom for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be shared without fear and without retribution. And grant unto us and to all nations a speedy, just, and lasting peace. To the glory of your name and the coming of your kingdom, we pray. Amen. And I guess I'll just remain standing for a moment and bow our heads. And just in a moment of silent reflection, honoring the sacrifices of our armed men and women. You may be seated. Jesus says, as is recorded in the Gospel of John, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This morning's message is entitled, Freedom is Never Free. Who are the men willing to sign the Declaration of Independence? Of the 56 men who signed it, two of them were 20 years of age. 16 of them were in their 30s. 20 of them were in their 40s. 11 of them in their 50s. Six of them were in their 60s. And one, Benjamin Franklin, was over 70 years of age. Oh. <laughs> Good for Benjamin. All but two of them were married... Each had an average of six children. Twenty-four of them were lawyers, nine of them were merchants, fourteen were farmers, four were doctors, and one was a preacher. We're not talking about lowlifes, drifters, or rebels here. We're talking about educated, civilized men who were willing to sacrifice everything for a cause that they believed in. And history shows us that they paid the price for their bravery. Because you see, freedom is never free. When Carter Braxton of Virginia signed the Declaration of Independence, he was a wealthy planter and trader. But following his signing, his ships were destroyed by the British. And to pay his debts, he lost his home and all of his property. And in the end, he died in rags. Thomas McCain of Delaware was so harassed by the enemy... He was forced to move his family five times in five months. He served in Congress without pay. His family lived in poverty and in hiding. 
Vandals looted the properties of Ellery, Clymer, Hall, Gwinnett, Walton, Hayward, Rutledge, and Middleton. Thomas Nelson of Virginia raised $2 million in his own name to fund the war. Now, $2 million is a lot of money, but in the 17th, 1700s, it was a lot of money. After the war, he personally paid back the loans, wiping out his entire estate. And he was never reimbursed by his government. And in the final battle for Yorktown, Nelson urged General Washington to fire on Nelson's own home, then occupied by the enemy. Thomas Nelson Jr. died bankrupt. Francis Lewis had his home and everything destroyed. His wife was, in, was imprisoned and within a few months of being imprisoned, she died. Richard Stockton, who signed the declaration, was captured and mistreated. And his health was mortally broken. And then his estate was pillaged. You see, freedom is never free. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside while she was dying. Their 13 children fled in all directions for their lives. His fields and gristmill were laid waste. For more than a year, he lived in forests and caves and returned home after the war to find his wife dead, his children gone, his property gone. He died a few weeks later of exhaustion and a broken heart. Of the 56 signers of the Declaration, few were long to survive. Five were captured by the British as traitors and were tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army and another two sons were captured. And though few of them benefited from their bravery and most lost everything they owned, not one of them recanted his original declaration of independence. These men were courageous and valiant and brave. And because of them and others, we have the privilege of being here today and living in the greatest country on earth. You see, freedom is never free. On November 19th, in 1863, President Abraham Lincoln stood on the battlefield at Gettysburg to dedicate a portion of that land as a national cemetery. After his opening sentences of four score and seven years ago, he went on to say this, We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hollow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget 
what they did here. It is for us, the living rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work for which they fought and have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. That this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people, by the people, for the people shall not perish from the earth. You see, Lincoln understood that freedom is never free. We must realize that a freedom is to be carried on from generation to generation if our children and our grandchildren are to enjoy the freedoms we enjoy then we must be willing to pay the price for that freedom. Throughout our nation's history, brave men and women have paid the price of freedom. We're free to worship here today because others before us have sacrificed their money, their energy, their blood, their very lives. Even now, men and women of our armed forces are fighting a war against terrorism against those who hate America and are sworn to see it destroyed. By facing the enemies of freedom on their home ground, our soldiers have kept the war from coming here. Thankfully, we are able to go to work, to shop, to play, without the fear of bombs going off around us. But not without a price. For you see, freedom is never free. It doesn't just happen. It never has. There is a profound phrase that says, All evil needs to prevail is for good men to do nothing. Thankfully, we have good men and women who will do whatever it takes for freedom's bell to continue to ring. Sadly, I must admit this morning, I am greatly disturbed today and question if America is truly willing to pay the price necessary for freedom. You know, no matter what your political beliefs and opinions are about the war on terror and whether we should be or not be in Iraq, I find it very disturbing when I hear opponents of the war say that one of the reasons we should bring them all home is because the price has been too high. So far, 3,500 men and women in uniform have died while fighting over the last four years. I believe that any loss of life is tragic. And if any of the men and women associated with our congregations were to die in combat, we would all deeply grieve. And the personal loss would be great indeed. But personal loss cannot keep a nation from being willing to do what is needed to pay the price for freedom. So the question being posed today, are 3,500 American lives over four years too high a price to pay for freedom? Many today are crying out, yes, it's too high of a price to pay. But I ask you to look at these numbers for some perspective off of a government website on mortality 
in the United States of America. Over the past four years in America, 175,000 Americans have died driving cars. 112,000 Americans died at the hands of other Americans. 52,000 of our countrymen died over the last four years from falling down off of ladders, tripping, hitting their heads as they fell. 52,000. 16,000 Americans died just from medical complications. These are people who went to doctors to get better. Something went wrong. Complications arose. They died. They have listed 68,000 as have died in the accidental, non-specific category. We're not talking natural causes. We're talking 423,000 Americans in accidents, murder, car wrecks. Consider the first number, 175,000 dead from car accidents, yet not one American, not one politician is demanding that we should surrender our right to drive cars. Sadly, however, when it comes to freedom and democracy, it appears that some in America feel 3,500 is just too much for our nation to bear. During the Civil War, tens of thousands of men would die in a single day. In a single day, 20,000 lives. 30,000 lives on another day. 40,000 lives on another day in a single day. Boom! During World War II, thousands of Americans would die in a single day trying to take a beach or fight for some seemingly worthless piece of ground on some Pacific island out in the middle of nowhere. Yet today, after four years, many believe 3,500 is a cost just too high for our nation to bear. There was a message from Osama bin Laden that was retrieved. A message out to his lieutenants in this war on terror. Encouraging that their plan is to continue to extract a cost from Americans until the price gets too high and we return home in shame. They cheered. They were encouraged by such a message. Do you know why? Because they believe that our price is very, very, very low. And it won't take many more casualties before we'll say the price is just too high. Sadly, I believe bin Laden is right. I pray to God that he's wrong. I fear that many have falsely come to believe that freedom is indeed free. That it should just happen. That it should come easily. That it should just come because we wish it. But despite our best wishes, we cannot escape this eternal truth freedom is never free even our spiritual freedom in Christ came at great cost 
When mankind fell into the tyranny of sin, God was motivated out of his divine love to set us free. But even God, even for God, freedom was not free. He sent in his kindness his son in the form of human flesh to pay our price for freedom. He died a cruel death on a cross for you and for me. The Apostle Paul wrote that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Freedom from the power of sin. Freedom that gives us true choice. Freedom to be able to love our families and our neighbors. Freedom to be able to celebrate with joy in God's presence. But make no mistake. Freedom never has been, nor will it ever be, free. I want to ask our ushers to come back up. Our musicians to return to the platform as we bring our service to a close and get ready to celebrate our time of communion this morning. As we do this, let's be thankful for the freedoms we enjoy as Americans. And let us be thankful for the wonderful freedom from sin that God has made possible through his son. And most importantly, let us reflect, let us think, let us ponder the truth that freedom is never free. Are you free this morning? Well, as an American, or just a person living in America, thankfully all you have to do to enjoy freedom is to be within the borders of this great land. But to enjoy the freedom from sin that comes through Jesus Christ, just being here is not enough. You can be in a church all your life. Being in a church will not make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage will turn you into a car. It doesn't work that way. You have to do something. You have to choose. You have to act to turn from what you know is wrong and willingly and willfully turn your life towards God. My question to you this morning, do you have what it takes to follow Jesus? If you do, you can experience true forgiveness and true freedom this morning. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer. and I want to encourage you, if you've never truly surrendered your life to Christ, if you believe you have what it takes to make the commitment to follow Jesus Christ, if you will pray this prayer and believe this and mean this from the bottom of your heart, God will start you on a wonderful walk of faith, forgive you, grant you new life through the sacrifice of his son. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I turn to you this morning. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I choose to follow you. I accept your love in the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. I surrender my life to you so that I may be truly free. Amen. Well, I'm going to ask our ushers to go ahead and pass out the communion this morning. If you're a first-time guest or visitor, you can join with us. You don't have to be a member of our church. If you're a believer in Jesus, that's all we require. Just take the bread, then either the wine or the grape juice. The grape juice is on the outside ring. The rest of it's wine. But don't take it right away. Just hold on to it, and then we'll take communion all together after everyone has been served. Thank you.
where the river meets the sea White crosses without number Line the fields of peace And each one a silent witness Staring back at me And every cross a story Of another place and time Where young men thought it worthy To give their life for mine And for the sake of honor Left their dreams behind And for the price they paid I'm forever in their debt Their memory will not die Cause I will not forget I will stand And hold my head up high I will dedicate my life To the glory Took the sting from death. Heaven's fire. 